Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you today. Um, it's hard to pray and take the offering. You're like not sure which one to do, right? Should I close and pray? I like do this, the bags come in, but that's all right. You know, whatever you did, it was fine. It was all right. Um, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really great to see you. A lot of you I know. Some of you are new around here. We're, we're thrilled that you're with us uh, this afternoon. Two o'clock is kind of a, a little bit of a random time for Christmas Eve, isn't it? We just thought we'd do something out of the box this year, you know? It, the original Christmas was out of the box too, so there it is. Um, you know, I went, and one thing I've been thinking a lot about this year is gifts. You know, gifts are every year, but this year I've had a little bit more like, time to think about and reflect on gifts. Some of that is because of the message I'm giving tonight. Um, but it's also because I have four children who are excited about and anticipating the gifts that they are hoping to get this year at Christmas. My seven-year-old in particular has been doing regular, a regular sweep of the Christmas tree, kind of checking the stash, like on the hour, literally on the hour, like checking the stash, like, and then he'll give a report of how many gifts have his name on it under the tree, right? And that's true, Alex, right? So uh, the number went up this morning a little bit, much, you know, to his delight. So that was a good thing. Um, but gifts are a big part of Christmas, and they really do mean something, don't they? They have a significance. They communicate something to us about who we are in the eyes of the giver. And there are all sorts of different kinds of gifts. Some gifts are, are simple and small and less meaningful, and therefore they don't really elicit that big of a reaction. Kind of like the gift in this little video right here. Some of you have seen that. Um, that kid is so polite. I love it. If I gave my kids an avocado, they would not be that polite. But he notice he's polite, but then he quickly puts it aside. Like, oh, great, an avocado. Like the, he's got tremendous tact, this little guy. But I don't really blame him because I like avocados as much as anybody. But it's not something that you're really hoping for or dreaming for, that you've really wanted all that much. But other gifts are things that you have asked for, things that you have put on your list, things you really, 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 really want. Like maybe an Xbox. Ready. I love how happy those boys are over an Xbox. And I know that my two sons are in here right now thinking, Dad, we too would be that happy if you would get us an Xbox. Well, <laughs> guys, I hate to tell you, I didn't get you an Xbox, but I did get you an avocado. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And, and, and as great as an avocado or an Xbox is, there are still gifts that are more significant than that even, that go a little bit deeper. Gifts that don't just touch our wants, but gets, gifts that touch our hearts. Gifts that are really, really personal. Take a look at this. Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
here in Afghanistan. What would you like to say to him? Wait, 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 wait. Why don't you turn around and tell him? Those will make you cry every time, really. Um, when I was a kid, my dad was in the Air Force and he never went overseas, but there was this one time when I was in the fifth grade and he was on tour of duty, TDY, for three months. He was away from us for three months. And I remember in just that short amount of time how much I missed my dad. So I can only imagine how a moment like that would feel. But finally, I think there are gifts that even go a bit deeper. Gifts that are so personal, so impactful, so powerful that they actually redirect the course of our lives. Gifts that will shape who we are and who we become. Gifts that have the power to change us forever. Just a bit of background on this one. Sarah is 29 years old and through the power of some amazing new technology, she is about to get the gift of hearing for the very first time. Take a look at this. I'm right over it. There you go. It's beeping. So now technically your device is on. Can you tell? Oh, that's exciting. Here, you can put it down for a second. Just get used to the sound. <laughs> what does it sound like? Do you want to grab some tissue? Oh, mommy, you're so cry. <laughs> you can look it up later. It goes on from there, and you will cry more. Um, some of you have seen this woman. She was on Ellen, and uh, when she had the procedure done, her daughters were two and four years old. And now she is hearing and will hear the voices of her little girls for the rest of her life. That's a powerful gift. And here's the point, friends. Gifts can be transformational. If a gift is big enough, and if a gift is personal enough, and if a gift is powerful enough, it will impact you and shape you and change your life forever. And on this day, we gather to remember the biggest, most personal and powerful gift this world has ever known, the gift of God coming to earth, sending his one and only son so that you might be offered new, abundant, joy and peace-filled eternal life through him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is a quote right from the mouth of Jesus. It's John 10.10, 10, and one translation of it reads this way. Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. You see, the gift of Christmas, the gift of Jesus, is that God has come to earth to defeat all the things that pin us down and hold us back and prevent us from being and becoming the people that we were created to be. Listen to how the New Testament talks about the magnitude of this gift, the magnitude of the gift of Christmas. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, again, from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. 
You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ. Saving Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. Again, friends, Christmas is a time when we stop to remember the enormity of the gift that we have been given in this baby boy we call Jesus. And so today I want to tell you three things, three things about this wonderful gift that I so desperately want you to receive. One, that the gift of Christmas offers something to you. Second, that it requires something from you. And finally, that it puts something in you. First, it offers something to you. You know, one of the ways we judge a gift is by asking a very simple question. How much did it cost the person who gave it? And hear me clearly on this because I'm not just talking about was the gift expensive or not. That might be part of it. But what I'm really after here is how much did the giver put into it? How much did it cost them? How much sacrifice did the gift require? In one of the greatest television episodes of all time, Little House on the Prairie's Christmas at Plum Creek, And you laugh, but if you watch it, you will cry, I promise. Michael Landon, he knows how to pull the heartstrings. We are going to watch it tonight as a family, and I will cry, I promise. But in this episode, the family is, the Ingalls family is is frantically and desperately getting ready for Christmas. How many of you have seen this before? Seen this one? Oh yeah, some of you. And Ma and Pa are working tirelessly so that they can provide this one special gift for their daughter, Laura, and they're desperately trying to um, earn enough money to purchase a new saddle for Laura so that she can ride her beloved pony. But unbeknownst to Ma and Pa, at the same time, Laura goes into town and makes a deal with the shopkeeper a deal to sell her pony so that she can afford to buy Ma this nice brand new wood stove that her mom has so desperately wanted. And then Christmas morning rolls around and Laura opens her saddle and then Ma opens the big wood box to find the wood stove. And then she discovers that it was from Laura and that Laura sold her horse to buy the gift for her. You see, friends, that gift, because it was not easy to give, because it required selflessness and sacrifice, made a very clear statement. You matter to me. You are significant to me. You are a person of great, great value in my eyes. 
And friends, in the story of the Bible we read, God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. His one and only son to give his life. Do you see and hear the wonderful message of Christmas, friends? Do you see the thing that this gift offers you? It's the very clear statement that you are more valued by God than you have ever imagined. That God has gone to great lengths to save you and redeem you and bring you back into relationship with him. And so I ask you this Christmas, has your soul felt its worth? Do you know how valuable you are to your heavenly father. Not because of what you do, not because of how you look, not because of anything you've achieved, but simply because you were worth coming for. And God longs for you to be his son, his daughter, once again. The gift of Christmas offers something to you. Great value, but it also requires something from you. Let me illustrate this point to you in this way, and this is a little bit out of the box, but follow with me for a minute. What if I came up to you after the service uh, this afternoon and said, hey, you know, come up to my office for a minute. Amy, my wife, and I want to talk to you for just a moment. And so after service, we went upstairs and we sat down, and after we got up there and we were all sitting down, um, we turned to you and we said, you know, hey, we know that you have dreamed of your 12th grade child going to college for a long time. But we also know that you simply cannot afford it and that there is no help available. And so we have decided that we would like to gift you our money. Actually, the money that we have saved for our kids to go to college. We want to freely give all of it to you. No requirements, no payback installments, no strings attached. Here you go. Here it is, a check for $181,000 because we just don't want her to go to college. We want her to go to Harvard, and that's the cost of Harvard for four years. Now, on the surface, as you sit there, you might be thinking, this sounds great. Merry Christmas, we are in. We will meet you in your office right after church, Pastor. But upon further reflection, let me tell you the reality of how that moment would go for most of you. We'd go upstairs and we'd make that offer and you would say, no way. We know you don't have that kind of money. No, you would say, no way. <laughs> we can't. We cannot and will not accept this gift. It's not right. It's not fair. And we don't deserve it. We would feel so, so guilty for the rest of our lives. And friends, this is a very, very, very fictional scenario on so many levels. <gasps> but what it's meant to teach us is this. And this is an important point. Receiving a gift, receiving a big gift, receiving a gift that costs the giver something significant, receiving a gift that you can never, ever, ever pay back requires a massive amount of humility. You see, if you are the kind of person who is filled with pride, if you're the kind of person who always has to earn and deserve everything you have, if you're the kind of person that comes to God and says, I've done it, God, I'm doing it. I'm working on cleaning my life up and doing nice things and being a good person so that you can and will accept me. If you're a person who approaches God in this way, 
Christmas will be hard for you because that's not the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas says there's nothing you could ever do to earn or deserve this gift. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Christmas. He did it by means of sending his son. He did it by means of Jesus Christ. You see, friends, religion says, I can get there. I'll be good enough. I can do more good than bad. And at the end of the day, God will accept me. But that is not the message of Christmas. Christmas says you are so far away from earning and affording God's love that he had to empty his savings account to save you. You see, Christmas is a reality check. It's a reality check on who we really are. And so to receive this gift... You must have tremendous humility. So the gift of Christmas offers something to you. It requires something from you. And finally, it puts something in you. In my favorite musical of all time, Les Miserables, Jean Valjean is a former convict who's been imprisoned for 19 years and he gets out, he's released and he can now find no work. He can find no place to stay. But in a turn of fate, he's taken in and he's offered shelter by this kindly old bishop and these two men become friends. But one night in kind of a moment of desperation, Jean Valjean steals the bishop's silver, his valuable silver candlesticks and he makes a run for it. But of course, he's caught by the authorities. And they drag him back to the bishop's home, expecting this man to condemn Jean Valjean, expecting the bishop to say, you thief, how could you do this to me? How could you steal from me after all that I have done for, for you? But that's not what the bishop says. In a turn of faith, the bishop does something unexpected. He tells the police that the silver candlesticks were not stolen, but that they were in fact a gift, that he gave them to Jean Valjean. And so, bewildered and perplexed, the police let him go. But then the bishop does something more. He looks at Jean Valjean and he tells him to go. He says, you go and you take these silver candlesticks and you use the money to start your life over again. It's this, this tremendous moment of mercy and amazing grace. And this moment, this remarkable gift changes Jean Valjean. It transforms this man from the inside out. And because of this great gift, he literally becomes a new person. A man no longer filled with anger and fear and resentment, but kindness and love and generosity. A man who exchanges violence for gentleness, envy, for contentment, anxiety for peace, hatred for joy. 
And friends, that is exactly how Christmas works. That is the gift of Christmas. When you truly understand and are struck by the tremendous gift God has given you in the sending of his one and only son, you will not be able to live the same way. You will not see the world in the same way. God will put the transforming power of his great love in your heart and it will utterly change all of who you are. So today, on Christmas Eve, I ask you, has the gift of Christmas sunk into your soul and changed your heart and mind and life and attitudes the way God longs for it to. Do you know the cost of this great gift and how loved and how valuable you are to the Father? Are you humble enough to receive it? Have you received it in a way that you're utterly and completely changed? Because, friends, this gift, this gift of a baby boy born on a silent night is a gift so big and so personal and so powerful that he can change your life forever. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna move into that candle time that Pastor Paul talked about, that time when you parents need to keep a close eye on your children. And also as you do that, spend just a moment thinking about what Christmas offers you, what it asks of you, and what God wants to put in your heart and life this season. The ushers are gonna come down and light the candles. We're gonna sing O Holy Night, and then Allie's gonna lead us in singing Silent Night as we close our time together. But friends, do not make this. Pastor Paul talked about this yesterday on Sunday morning. This is not just a Christmas tradition. This is a moment where we remember the light of the world wants to come into our lives and in our hearts and transform us from the inside out. That is the gift of Christmas. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your son and for the season and for the chance to gather and worship you. God, we know that you still have work to do in us. And so we ask, Lord, that you would help us to embrace and receive and understand the gift of your son even more. God, if there's pride in the way of anyone's heart today, if anyone is just working hard to be a person that you would accept, God, I pray that you would just break down those walls, that you would give them humility to receive this free gift. God, I pray that you would speak your affirmation and your value into our hearts this season. And Lord, that your gift, the gift of your son, would, would change us radically and completely and fully. So much so that the people in our lives would, would wonder what happened to us this holiday season. Lord, that's our prayer. We pray it together and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.